Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Auburn Undercover and Inside the Auburn Tigers podcast. I am Keith Niebuhr with 24-7 Sports, and I'm joined by my colleague, Jason Caldwell, to break down an ugly, ugly Auburn-Georgia game. Georgia wins 27-6 at Sanford Stadium over in Athens. But, Jason, I mean, everything that could have gone wrong for Auburn did and they didn't play well, and beyond that, they just don't look that great right now, Jason. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I, you know, we're kind of wondering, and everybody's had questions about the line of scrimmage, and, and football's a line of scrimmage game, and we saw it at its utmost um, in Sanford Stadium on Saturday night. It was a line of scrimmage mismatch on both lines for Auburn, and, uh, you know, obviously we knew there were going to be some struggles. Um, we knew that the offensive line, you know, without a spring and a new coach, there were probably going to be some bumps in the road. But you don't expect to see what you saw last, you know, you know, on Saturday night. I mean, that was – to me, that was the issue. And uh, it was, a, you know, too many free guys, you know. And, and, you know, I wonder about, you know, substituting on the offensive line. Uh, I think you've got to figure out your five guys and let those guys start to play together. But defensive line, I mean – you know, that's, that's who you're riding with. And, uh, and Georgia's offensive line had some new faces. They got a new offense, uh, but they got after it. And, uh, and so, to me, it was, a, it was a troubling thing to see the lines of scrimmage, you know, look that way uh, in game two. Really disheartening loss for Auburn and for Auburn fans. Uh, Jason, I got to say, I, I've been covering Auburn since the 2013 season. There's, I, I think on one hand, you can count losses that, that are in the level of, of Saturday nights. I mean, I think you go back to year one, that, that loss at uh, 2013, the loss at LSU was pretty embarrassing. But this was just a complete and utter domination, really, on both lines of scrimmage. And, you, and, you know, I don't know how – you know, you look at the way Auburn played against Kentucky in week one, and, you know, Kentucky obviously isn't great. But with the experience they had back on both lines of scrimmage, you go into this game thinking, okay, Auburn isn't uh, – Look, they're, they're probably not great up front on the offensive line, but they ought to be able to at least be respectable against Georgia. And, and they really weren't, Jason. Is, is this the product of a lack of chemistry and continuity? Is it a, the product of, of mediocre to poor recruiting in recent years? A bad game plan? All of the above? Uh, Georgia, or Georgia just being great on defense? What, what's your take there? Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> in the short term, yes. Uh, yes, yes, every, yes, and yes. It's every bit of that. Um, it all factors in. Hey, I'm taking nothing away from Georgia. That's a really, really good Georgia defense. We knew it was going to be coming into the season. They led the nation in rush defense a year ago. Um, they got a lot of those guys back um, with some pretty talented guys to fill in. That's a that's a, a roster loaded with talent. That's what you know when you start talking about. You know, Gus Malzahn said before the game, hey, it's maybe the most talented team in the country. 
they're right there. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, and a lot of that has been done on, on the lines of scrimmage. Um, and that's what you see out of that Georgia team. And, and yeah, so I think you look at it, to me, the offensive line, um, I, I think you got to figure out who your five guys are and ride with them. I, I don't think there's any question about that moving forward. Um, what you also have to figure out is when with those five guys in, what do they do the best and, and what's the best thing for this team? I thought, once again, um, that that playing fast and kind of getting a two-minute was the thing that helped them out some. Um, how much can you do that? Um, I don't know. But there are a lot of teams around the country right now that are that are throwing it a whole lot more than they're running it and having some success. So uh, I wonder if that's something that could help this group out. Well, Jason, I, I you know, look, we don't, we don't bash players on our site. That's just not how we operate. But, uh, you know, uh, they reap the rewards of of praise when they win and play well, and and you're open to critique when you don't play well. Was there anybody on the offensive line Saturday night that that you thought held their own? Yeah, it's it it's tough uh, when you start looking at it. Um, and like I said, I, I'm not grading guys, so it's hard to really tell um, until you go back and and sit and watch. Um, because you don't know assignment-wise, that's the thing. But physically, um, there wasn't a whole lot of running room to be had. And um, assignment-wise, you know, wise, um, there are way too many free people, people coming free on the offensive line now. Is that all on them? You know, Bo Nick said, hey, I, I got to do a better job of getting them in the right protection, those kind of things. So it's probably a little bit of, of everything involved. But I didn't see anybody that I went, wow, that guy really jumped out there, uh, you know, I, I thought, you know, Keandre Jones got in and played a little bit more than we've seen him. Um, and so I, I wonder how he graded out for the coaches because I thought we saw more of him uh, against Georgia. He may be a guy that they try to figure out to, to get into the rotation. Um, but, you know, I didn't see a whole lot of guys that I went, man, that guy really, you know, did a great job. Jason, I've always contended that you don't have to have the – look, it helps if you have the best offensive line in the SEC. But if you don't, that's okay. But you better be in the top half or really the top third – uh, I didn't think LSU's offensive line were – I didn't think they, they had a bunch of world beaters last year. Now, I know they won some blocking awards, but, but when you watch the games, they weren't dominant. But you got to be decent. Can this offensive line even be in the top third or top half of the SEC? I mean, we've got a two-game sample size right now. I mean, I certainly have my doubts. What about you? Yeah, I think, I think they'd have a chance. But, you know, what you don't – what we just don't know is, is how – and I think we found out a little bit uh, against Georgia – just how impactful not having a spring was when you, you know, Georgia replaced some offensive line guys and they got a new coordinator, but it, at least they had a new offensive line coach to come in for a bowl game and he coached them through that times. So they kind of had a feel for each other a little bit. Auburn basically flying blind when, when they got on the field in preseason. And, and so I think that's probably been more impactful than even we thought it might be. Um, so I think they've got a chance, but man, um, they got a lot of work to do. There's no question about it. All right. It started up front, obviously, but look, there were some other issues too. I mean, the, uh, yeah, um, quite frankly, some throws, uh, look, Bo was rushed all night. We know that. And I, and Jason, we talked about this off uh, before we started recording. He's probably catching a little too much criticism, but there were some chances. Uh, there was a, a drop ball by Seth Williams in the end zone. that would have been a touchdown. There was a deep ball that they just missed to Anthony Schwartz another deep ball that they just missed, you know, but overall the offense really never got in 
any kind of flow, just a couple places here or there, but even those were 15 play, 11 plays just to go 40 or 50 yards. Jason, you, it was almost a bad omen in a sense, Auburn having the two penalties on its first – couldn't even get a snap off before there were already two penalties on the offense. Everything looked out of sync. Uh, it just – I mean, that, those are the things that drive fans crazy too. It just looked like they weren't ready. Um, but, uh, but back to Bo Nix. He's just getting eviscerated right now. Fair or unfair? I think it's I think extremely unfair. Um, did he have some chances? Yeah, he had some chances. But, man, I would say that, you know, there are a lot of quarterbacks that are really athletic. I thought Bo Nix probably saved the Auburn offense 100 yards last night by just finding a way to get out of there and, and get the ball out and do something. Still got sacked three times. Um, had an interception when he basically was throwing it up for grabs, but he also had to – dodge a blocker on that fourth down and then throw it before he was ready because another guy was coming. Um, did Were there some opportunities to step up in the pocket? Probably. Um, but there weren't a ton of them. There weren't as many last night on Saturday night as there, there have been in the past. I, you know, yeah, I mean, he's got he's to play better. Um, and you're right with Anthony Schwartz. This is an Auburn offense that against a team like Georgia, you can't miss an opportunity down the field. And, and they missed one where they had a chance. Um, but overall, I thought that in the long run, he probably saved the offense as many yards as they gained last night uh, just by escaping trouble and trying to find a way to make a play. So, yeah, I, I, I think uh, far from Bo Nix's fault, um, you know, I think that that all started with, with pressure and with, with the, the lack of ability to run the football. Jason, Auburn had about 220 yards of offense. I mean, it's, it's – inexplicable it's inexcusable it's it's everything uh, when you're competing against your arch rival and you're trying to uh, lay claim to being one of the top teams in the country and and also you know obviously in the southeastern conference that's just never going to cut it uh, so I ask you this here's the here's the the rub you know play calling is something that everybody thinks they can do and it's it's hard to do it's hard to come up with a game plan you know you've got to know what you have you got to know what the defense has uh, and then obviously, if you can't block, that throws everything into question. But what did you think of the offensive game plan of, of Chad Morris and the Tigers? Would you have done anything different? Or did you think that, hey, man, they know what they, they have. They, do you think they went in knowing that this was going to be a struggle? I, I just I, – I, you know, I, and my thought going into the game was I don't think you can make a living trying to run the ball right at Georgia. Um, you know, and, you know, Auburn didn't run it a ton, but they also didn't have a ton of plays. People talk about, you know, the lack of, you know, the lack of plays, the lack of lack of running plays. But, you know, you start, you know, looking at it and, you know, once again, and Georgia ran 46 plays in the first half. You know, some of that was, was Auburn's fault and not, you know, not sustaining drives. But some of that is, is not being able to get off the field once again. I mean, you know, you start looking at it and, you know, and, and Auburn had 11 play drive in that first half that ended with that field goal. Um, you know, that, that you're right, the missed opportunity there with, uh, you know, Seth Williams where you could have had a touchdown. But, you know, you look at Georgia and they, you know, they go 72 yards in six plays, go 84 yards in 11 plays, and Auburn has a, has a three and out in between those two. That I mean, that's a killer. Um, Would you have done anything differently attacking Georgia's defense? I don't know. I don't know that I, the problem is if you can't, if you can't block, yeah, and it, really, it doesn't matter what you call, and and that's, that's right. what we saw. We saw that last night. I thought I actually thought they did a pretty good job of trying to get the ball out of Bo's hands and get it to your playmakers. And so, 
when you look at it, now some of them were, were based off scrambles a little bit. But, you know, they got the ball in, in, in Anthony Schwartz's hands and tried to, to make some plays. He had eight catches, only 57 yards. He never could kind of break containment. But, you know, Tank Bisbee caught, you know, seven passes. Some of those were designed. Some of them were what people have been asking for for a long time, which was have a, a safe that. So I thought there were some things they did well in the short game, but just could not – get separation in, in the secondary. And some of that's because when you're having to throw the ball in, in a second and a half and you're having to break your routes off because the quarterback's having to run, then it kind of it, – it just throws everything into a, into a frenzy. Was this as bad as, as the Clemson loss a few years ago at Clemson where Auburn gave up all the sacks, couldn't move the ball, or is this worse? What do you, what do you, what's your take? Because it just seemed awfully – deflating you know you go into this game with a lot of promise obviously your offensive line is rebuilt but uh it's a little surprising in a sense yeah if if Jared Siddham had been Auburn's quarterback Saturday night there would have been eight to ten sacks and it's just that's just a fact I mean Bo, it's like I said Bo probably saved them five or six sacks I would guess uh, by doing what he did there were still three there it was a very similar type of game um you know, that game Auburn ran it decent, I think, against Clemson. But, you know, you took away so many so many lost yardages that it didn't really factor in at the end. But it was a very similar type of game where you felt like, you know, even though even though the defense played much better against Clemson, that was, you know, that was a game where they didn't do a whole lot of scoring. This game was pretty much over with the middle of the second quarter because you knew that, I mean, Georgia's already got enough points here. Yeah. It's a matter of can Auburn kind of get back and, and make it respectable. You, know, you had really two opportunities to score. If you score touchdowns, then you might be able to to put a little pressure. There was never any pressure on Georgia after uh, you know, like I said, middle of the second quarter. Yep, pretty uh, pretty deflating evening for the Auburn Tigers. But uh, when we get back, Jason, we're going to talk a little bit about off Auburn's defensive problems. And that was a little surprising. An offensive line, you think maybe you know, hey, look, there's some promise, but. It's still a new group, still facing one of the best defenses in the country. But Auburn's defensive line and defensive overall struggles were a little bit surprising to, to many people. But we'll be right back after this commercial break. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, we're back with Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers. This is Keith Niebuhr, and this is the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Well, Jason, Georgia brought in a new quarterback during the offseason, Heisman contender, I say that laughingly, Jamie Newman. He opted out. They got the transfer from Southern Cal, JT Daniels, and he wasn't medically cleared until this week. They started another guy the week before, Dewan Mathis. He was terrible. So they brought in Stetson Bennett, a former walk-on, and lo and behold, he goes out there and plays – uh, very well for the second straight week, 17 to 28, 240 yards, one touchdown. Georgia also rushed for 202 yards, averaging 4.5 yards a carry. And it looked like, Jason, they could have run it all night long and, and Auburn wasn't really going to stop them. Uh, you know, obviously Auburn lost a couple impact players on that defensive line. No question about it. Derek Brown, first round pick, Marlon Davidson, second round pick. But the feeling with inside, the feeling inside the program uh, by all reports and all insiders was that, hey, this defensive line will be fine. This defense will be just as good. And, Jason, the defensive line was not fine against Georgia, and the defense absolutely was gassed from start to finish. What is the big issue, or was it, again, the product of Georgia's good play or a little bit of both? Yeah, it probably once again a little bit of both. Um, but um, yeah, that was a defensive front seven that um, – when you looked up, Georgia's offensive line was consistently getting second level. Um, the back, Zamir White, James Cook, Kendall Milton, Kenny McIntosh, all four of them, all four of those guys were getting to the linebackers before they were really touched. Um, and so you look at it, and that's what leads you to a tackling sat. When you see a tackling sat like this, especially, you know, when it's not a team like Mississippi State, um, you might see it. But when you're, you know, Jamie and Sherwood, Jordan Peters, where your two starting safeties basically when, when Smoke Monday, you know, gets the early ejection. When those two safeties have 27 combined tackles, solo and, and assisted, it's a long, long night. Um, like I said, you might have that if you're facing Mike Leach, but to have 27 combined tackles from your safeties against Georgia is a bad, bad night for a defense. And that tells you that way too many plays are getting to the second level. Um, and, um, you know, you look and I, you know, I thought Daquan Newkirk, showed again that he's able to get in the backfield. They, they weren't able to make many of the plays, but he was able to get some penetration. Other than that, not a whole lot of guys. Colby Wooden was active and did some good things, but, man, there just wasn't a whole lot to hang your hat on, you know, for that Auburn defensive line. Jason, a lot of third and five, a lot of third and seven type conversions for Georgia. Uh, there were times when Auburn did blitz, and it, it, it impacted Stetson Bennett, but – but most of the time, I would say, or not enough of the time, they weren't able to really make life that uncomfortable for him. Um, just not getting the same pressure from from the front four, are they? Well, and that's the thing. You got to you know got to get a push. And the reason sometimes why you're able to get that is is when you're putting people in third and eight and third and nine. What Georgia had the luxury of doing um, against Auburn was was you know, getting yardage on first down, with the exception really that first drive. After that, you look and, you know, it was five, six yards um, pretty consistently. The only 
the only time, and to me one of the biggest plays of the game, was on Georgia's first scoring drive, the second possession of the game for them. Auburn got them exactly what they wanted. They got a couple of incomplete passes, third and third and ten, and Auburn you know gets Big Cat free off the edge. Somebody and Stetson Bennett spins out and finds Kyrus Jackson for 17 yards. After that play, it was really a different football game. I don't know if it was confidence from Georgia, if whatever for whatever reason. Auburn had played really well up that first, you know, eight or ten plays. And then after that, you know, it was it was then, you know, Zamir White seven yards on first down. Um, the next first down play they got. James Cook six yards on first down. James Cook five yards on first down. Zamir White another four-yard gain. Um, it was so much success, four or five or six or seven yards rushing on first down every possession. It puts a defense behind the chains. And, man, it allowed Georgia to do whatever they wanted to. And the difference in watching Stetson Bennett be able to play quarterback last night and Bo Nix or whether it was Mac Jones at Alabama, whoever it was, the difference in watching guys stand in a clean pocket versus what Bo Nix had to deal with, that's what I think people need to think about when they think about the quarterback play is that, man, it, it it's so much dependent, too, on, on you know, what the other guys are doing. And if you're standing back there patting the football um, and you're completing passes, that's a much different. Bo Nix would probably kill for that uh, at this moment. And uh, like I said, he's got to play better. But, um, you know, I think you look at it, to me, that was that was the thing is that Georgia was able to dictate what they wanted to do offensively and Stetson Bennett was the beneficiary. And Bo Nix has got to be wondering himself, am I, I mean, am I going to be running for my life for four years here? I mean, it's – yeah, because the offensive line was okay last year, but it's it certainly there were in big games, and the Florida game comes to mind, and then you know a, a good bit of the Georgia game. He just didn't have a lot of time to throw. But Jason, you know, we go into this year not knowing what a lot of these offenses are going to look like in the SEC. You know, Alabama's got a new quarterback, and obviously Auburn got a taste of Mac Jones in the Iron Bowl. But they look like they're going to be able to throw it. Ole Miss looks like they're going to be able to throw it. LSU looks like they're going to be able to throw it. Mississippi State's going to be able to throw it. Uh, you know, and Georgia's offensive line is as good as it was last night. It's really not uh, pass blocking's not its strength. It, these are big, nasty guys that that get that push forward on running plays. And I think it's concerning that Auburn wasn't able to generate a ton of pressure uh, in passing situations against an offensive line whose strength again is not really pass blocking. But Jason, you know, we went into this game thinking the Auburn linebackers were going to have a big impact in it. They, they they've played really well the last couple of years, but you didn't hear their names a ton. And um, they just, you know, Kenny Britt, KJ Britt's a little banged up. And you know, like you said, the secondary had to make all those tackles. Uh, you know, how, how would you assess the performance of the linebackers? Yeah. I mean, you know, like they, in the end, you know, KJ Britt, Zacoby uh, McLean had a, a large number of tackles, but we didn't see any of those tackles at the line of scrimmage. Um, and that's the thing. Um, they were usually four or five yards downfield um, at a minimum, uh, maybe further than that sometimes. Um, but I think you look at it, and um, I did not think it was one of the best. But it, here's a, the, the caveat to that is, you know, I mentioned earlier on that Georgia offensive line was getting second level. When your defensive line isn't slowing down the offensive line and they're able to get their hands on the linebackers, it makes it really, really tough to play. And that's what we saw so much of. Georgia was able to control the line of scrimmage. And because of that, 
you know, those guards, the center, they were able to get to the second level, get a hat on a linebacker, and that's how you wind up with 27 tackles from your safeties. And so, yeah, um, yeah it probably wasn't the, the greatest game for them, but, well, they were – they were having to fight through a lot of contact because of the way the Georgia offensive line was playing. Yeah, you never really got the sense. And, you know, look, Georgia only scored 27 points, but you never got the sense, especially in the second half, that they were really – it felt like just trying to eat clock, just shorten the game, uh, keep Auburn's offense from getting any kind of rhythm. Uh, you, you didn't feel like if there was a key drive, there was very little confidence that Auburn could stop them, really, a, a three and out or something yeah, like that. Absolutely. That was, that was my thing is, you know – I was, you know, I said, you know, they, they had a couple of those drives and, you know, Auburn, I thought coming out in the third quarter, um, had a really good drive when they basically said, look, we're going two minute offense. And that's pretty much what they did. It had that 15 play drive, but it's 15 plays for 54 yards. And, you know, that was the difficulty of that is that, you know, it was, it was, a, you know, two yard gain. Um, they didn't have a, a you know, a, a third and 10 completion. But, you know, they, they had a five-yard gain on first down. They had a few plays here or there, but it was just a grind to try to do it every time. And, and, and there was nothing easy, no easy way to make yards. And um, because of that, um, you know, like you said, Georgia was able to, to really go. And, I mean, Auburn had back-to-back had back-to-back 15-play drives in the second half and wound up with three points. Um, that's hard to do, 15 plays that totaled – um, less than 100 yards, um, you know, 30 plays that less total less than 100. That, that's not offense. We talked about going into this. You had to find a way to make big plays. You had to have explosive plays. Auburn had none, and that's the definition of it. When you have 30 total plays in two straight possessions that, 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 and go for less than 100 yards and three points, um, that's not winning football. Yeah, when you play a very good defense, and, and that's maybe even a great defense, we'll see what they do against Alabama. Look – Hey, we may have a different impression of them after playing after they play Tennessee and Alabama the next two weeks. But right now, that right now that, that looks like a great uh, Georgia defense. You can't go seventeen plays, seventy four yards against like that. Too many uh, against teams like that. Too many things can go wrong. You've got to have the chunk plays. Uh, you've got to score when you can. You got to take advantage of the situations. Auburn did none of that. Uh, Jason, the secondary, and we'll, we'll keep this one brief. I mean, two starters out basically. I mean, Jalen Simpson didn't make the trip. Starting cornerback, uh, starting safety, smoke Monday. Inconsistent player at times, but a valuable asset to your defense, no question about that. I got a targeting call in the first quarter. It looked like a good call. It's an unfortunate rule, obviously. But, uh, you know, you think, okay, that's got a big impact on the game. On the other hand, like we said, they couldn't really stop the offensive line. But, you know, still psychologically it it probably hurt Auburn. And, uh, uh, you know, any real impact on the field, though? Yeah, I think maybe the only impact is you look at a guy like Kyrus Jackson that, that has a career night. Um, some of that is is because of, you know, their ability to run the football and the play-action pass. But some of that's also when you look at, at you know, not having, you know, probably two of your top four guys. Obviously, when you look at, at you know, Jalen Simpson, the way he's played, and then Smoke, they were able to attack, again, the, the middle of the field and kind of that second-level passing game. And, you know, maybe that makes a difference if you have a guy, you know, those guys out there. But – I think more of it was due to the fact that they were able to run the football. And when you can do that, boy, it puts so much pressure on a defense. Well, Jason, these are all Kevin Steele's guys on this defense. Uh, there's, there's, you know, it's, it's his defense. He's built it. It's got his fingerprints all over it. Where, where does he go from here? I mean, what does he do? Because I know he was one of the guys that thought that 
that this defense had some real potential. Again, it's one game, uh, but there's certainly some ominous points to this game, no doubt about it. But where does he go from here? What, is, what does he do to figure this thing out? Because yeah, you're just not going to uh, – you know, there, there were some real issues out there, let's be honest. Yeah, you know, the, the concern, you know, is, is that most of these guys have played football. Now, you got some, some inexperienced guys here or there, but you also got Tyrone Truesdale and Daquan Newkirk and Big Cat, TD, your linebacker group. Um, some of those guys in the secondary, those, those aren't inexperienced guys. There's not a lot of starting experience, but they've guys that have played football. When you look at the offensive line, you can go, yeah, I can, you can see that one and understand why there was going to be some issues at times. For that defense, you start going, okay, well, you know, youth is not, you know, you know, an, an excuse. Now, you know, you are, you're depending on Colby Wooden a lot. And, and you know, him and Zykevis Walker both had to play a bunch against a, a big George offensive line. So, there's some guys that have some growing pain still. But by and large, that defense has, has some, some experience. So, I think, you know, we got to figure out – the first thing is, is you got to figure out a way to become more explosive on defense at the, at the point of attack. Um, you know, you thought, you know, maybe Big Cat can deliver that if he gets back to, to full strength. You know, TD in the first couple of games, Derek Hall in the first couple of games haven't been able to deliver that. You got to find somebody to be able to pressure and 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 have some force from the edge on defense. If not, it is tough, tough, tough to win football right now if you don't have that guy. And, and it's a, an incredibly tough schedule. All right, Jason, we're getting to a sh- really short segment here. Bright spots. Uh, there weren't many. No. Uh, not, yeah. Not a whole lot. That's for sure. Obviously, Tank Bigsby comes to mind. He looks like the real deal doesn't he? Running back, uh, former five-star recruit, uh, maybe the, one of the hardest workers on the team we've heard already uh, as a true freshman, a guy that showed no quit out there at all, made something out of nothing at least two or three times. I mean, a good play where there was nothing there. Um, is, I mean, is, is he going to be the number one running back moving forward? Obviously, Sean Chivers was a little banged up, but, uh, you know, what do you think there? I can't, I can't see any way that, that, Tank's not the guy after what we saw against Georgia. I, I, at times uh, against Georgia, it looked like Bo Nix and Tank Bigsby were playing uh, against 25 defenders, and then they were kind of running for their lives and making guys miss. And I mean, last night, I mean, there was one of the the greatest no yardage plays that I've ever seen, where where Bo scrambled around and split about five guys, threw it sideways. Tank made a couple guys miss and got back to the line of scrimmage. You don't find many better plays than that, and it went for zero yardage. Uh, that's kind of what they were up against. But I thought Tank did a good job of running behind his pads, um, made people miss. And, hey, he ran through some tackles that Georgia that, that they probably weren't used to having. And I thought he did a great job. And uh, he was one of the, the, the bright spots. The other one is most of that fourth quarter. You know, Eli Stove got banged up a little early in the game. Most of the fourth quarter last night, you know, they're lining up, and they've got Xavier Capers. Kobe Hudson, who made his first career catch, Javarius Johnson, those guys were all playing at the same time for this Auburn offense. So they got some really valuable experience for that young group of wide receivers last night. And um, we saw, you know, the the Pegues cat, whatever you want to call it, um, that that worked out pretty well too. So there were some some young skill players that got some really valuable time on the field last night. Jason, as good as Tank Bigsby is, his greatest asset over these next few weeks might just be that he's one of the toughest son of a guns on the team. And, and maybe that rubs off on some other guys. I mean, you, when you look at the play of Georgia up front, smashing guys into the ground, uh, 
mean and nasty, finishing blocks, getting to the second level. There were some, some hard blocks out there from Georgia and some hard tackles from Georgia. They weren't just better up front. They were far more physical. And they yeah. seem to have a little bit more of that mentality that you need to have. And that's Tank Bigsby in a nutshell. He, he just yeah. refuses to lose, you know. Yeah, Tank delivered that. Um, I, thought, I thought he did some of those things. You're right. Uh, um, maybe, it's, maybe it's time. You know, it's, it's kind of something I mentioned earlier on. I thought maybe this line might have an opportunity to be more physical at the point of attack than last year's did in terms of running game. Maybe you get back to him and say, look um, – we, you know, Auburn. We worked so much on the on the passing game that we neglected the finer points of this running game. Maybe let's go back to to football one on one this week to get ready for Arkansas. I said, look, we got to find a way to run the football because in this offense, you know, they're more equipped to be able to throw it and to be able to do some of those things. But um, if you can't run it at all, then well, that that defense is teeing off. They're sending blitzers. They're doing those things. You got to be able to run it some. I think it's time to find your, your five guys on that offensive line, see who they are, and say, look, we're going to figure out what you do best in a running game. We're going to do it. Well, Jason, uh, there's no gimmies on this schedule. Arkansas this week, that looked like it would be a gimme. And quite frankly, I think you could make an argument that they've played as well, if not better, than Auburn the first two weeks. Um, you could certainly make a case for either team there, depending upon how you want to look at the numbers and the wins. But, um, uh, you know, Arkansas just beat Mississippi State. Uh, they played Georgia really tough for a half before folding in the third quarter a week earlier. Uh, and then you've got uh, at South Carolina. I know they're 0-2, but they've played two fairly competitive games. They've got a lot of issues, too. Then you've got at Ole Miss, which is uh, – I mean, we know they're going to try to throw for a lot of yards against Auburn, and, and can Auburn put pressure on the quarterback? And so there's no gimmies here. Uh, the question is, we now have a two-game sample size. Is Auburn what we've – I mean, are they are what they are, or is this still a work in progress? Or I mean, it's hard to find the right words, what I'm trying to say right now, but have we seen enough to know this is going to be a team that's, that's really going to be up against it this year? Yeah, I, I think it's still just too early to tell. Yeah. I, I think we thought – you know, coming out of game one, um, thought, man, this defensive line is, is, you know, better than we thought. They held Kentucky to 25 yards in the second half. Kentucky, a team that ran for over 400 yards in a loss to Ole Miss on Saturday. So you look and go, well, that, that Kentucky offensive line was pretty good. Um, they just couldn't couldn't get off blocks against Georgia and, and didn't make plays. So I think it's still too early to tell what this group's going to be on both sides of the ball because, you know, that, that spring practice miss was big for them. But there's no question that, um, you know, you start talking normally, they say coaches and most improvement – you know, goes from week one to week two. Well, for Auburn, it better go from week one to week two to week three. Um, these these guys on both sides of the ball have to get a whole lot better because you're right. Um, there's not a gimme left on this schedule. Um, Arkansas will be more physical. Um, that's just that's just the way they've already already been. You can see it. Uh, you mentioned Ole Miss, Mississippi State, um, South Carolina. It's what happens when you sign up for a 10-game conference-only schedule there's not a chance to take a deep breath and, uh, and get ready for the next one. You know, win this week, uh, start feeling a little bit better about yourself, show some improvement in the run game and with your run defense and with your, your pass. I mean, look, they got a lot to work on. Um, but Auburn's had some hiccups in early season games before and, and has rebounded nicely. That's kind of been their MO, Jason, so we'll have to see. But uh, 
That'll do it for this edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. A little uh, somewhat depressing for a lot of you, I'm sure, but it is just one game. Still a lot of schedule to be played. We'll see what Auburn's got this Saturday at home against Arkansas. Should be a good one. We'll be back uh, throughout the week to break down that game. And again, this is Keith Niebuhr with Auburn Undercover and 24-7 Sports. And that was Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers, an Auburn insider for more than two decades. We appreciate everybody stopping by. Be sure to rate us at Apple iTunes and uh, check out our sponsors. And if you get a chance, go to auburnundercover.com. Take care, everybody, and have a safe week. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.